Please be advised, nothing in this podcast should be taken as therapy, medical care, or mental health care advice. Topics discussed by the host and guests reflect their own personal experiences and are not intended to replace the services of medical or mental health professionals. And please know, if you are having any thoughts of self-harm or taking your own life, please call or text 988. Help is available 24-7. I'm Rick Schwartz, life coach, public speaker, and all-around curious guy. My curiosity, my life, and the lives of the many people I have worked with have taught me time and time again that there are challenges to overcome and successes to celebrate. You're listening to We All Have Something, a podcast about the human experience, a podcast about celebrating our authentic self. So let's get started. Welcome to another episode of We All Have Something, and I have to admit, I must confess, I have been having so much fun this season. It has been great bringing other people onto this podcast, hearing their story, learning from their experiences or their expertise, and we're going to keep doing that. In fact, I can't wait for you to hear next week's interview, a really great author, super enthusiastic about life with some great information, but we're also going to keep doing some solo episodes in between like this one, and this particular episode is about mindset. And the reason I chose to do a topic about mindset, simply because it's something we hear a lot, you know, growth mindset, abundance mindset, closed mindset. But what exactly does that mean? And and how, how does that apply to us? How can we apply really being thoughtful about mindset and utilizing it, once we understand it, to change our life and improve things and allow us to live the life we want? Now, before I go into that, though, I want to share a story with you about a a fairly famous musician that I think, although in his story it doesn't talk about mindset, I believe there must have been somewhere in his experience of what he was going through where his mindset made a big shift. Now, this musician was born into a family that uh, it was his grandfather was a well-known musician in the city he lived in, a fairly popular city. And as he grew in his early ages, he took a keen interest in music. His grandfather and parents supported it. And by his early 20s, he was already famous. He was playing for heads of state. He was playing for large audiences, well-cultured people, and the common people all really enjoyed his work. And as he grew in his popularity around the world, there were many people out there saying he is simply the greatest musician of our time. Now, What a lot of people didn't know as he got into his later 20s, he started dealing with these weird sort of humming and buzzing noises in his ears. In fact, in his 30s, he confided finally into his doctors saying that it's been a few years now where this buzzing is getting louder and his hearing is, is getting less. He's having to reposition himself so he can hear the music better that he's writing and that he's also playing. In fact, as he got further into his hearing loss, a lot of what he was writing in music didn't include notes he couldn't hear. So his writing style of music changed. And although he was already, for lack of a better term, world famous in his own right, he kind of started withdrawing from the music scene. Close friends supported his decisions, supported what he was doing, but he still wanted to write and play music. It's all he knew. There was actually some correspondence between some friends of his that has been found that states that that he was breaking instruments, that he would pound on piano so hard so he could hear them, that he was actually breaking them. 
to the point where some were even believing he was sort of going a little bit crazy, that he he was going mad with the frustration of not being able to do what he was always told he was born to do. And although he did have to stop performing, he continued to write music for other people. And it was kind of interesting. He found ways where he could pick up vibrations of the music that he was playing to feel it, to understand it. You know, obviously someone who was born into a musical family, who's been playing since he was young, who was already famous uh, by 20, music is obviously a part of his brain, the way he thinks, and it's in there. He knows the notes. And he continues to write music for quite a long time. Now, get this, by his early 40s to mid-40s, before he died in his mid-50s, he was becoming famous again. The music he was writing was still reaching large audiences. He was recognized for it. He was invited to concerts to be a part of them in the capacity that he best could. But at this point, he was also entirely deaf. And near the end of his life, he was considered to be the most brilliant writer of music of his time because what he wrote in that last decade of his life, that last decade where he was entirely deaf... Think about that for a moment. He was all about a career in the art of sound, creating music. And in that, he was famous in his younger years for writing and performing. Got to the point then where he went completely deaf. He was the the one human sense that can really be a part of what his whole life was about was removed from him. Can you imagine if that happened to you? There are choices to be made when something like that happens in your life. And obviously, the story is very dramatic in the sense that, you know, we're talking about sound and hearing here. He could have given up. He could have gone mad. He could have just reclused. He could have gone into just hiding. He could have gotten depressed and committed suicide. There are so many choices this guy could have made. And yet, he comes through realizing he can no longer live the way he lived as far as writing and performing. He went down that dark hole. He, he was gone mad, as some of his friends had said, raging against the fact that this has happened to him and came out the other side of it, though, with that decision or that mindset that I'm still a composer. I can still write music. I'm still a part of music because music is still a part of me. This is beyond impressive as far as I'm concerned. The, the mindset shift that had to occur in him from I can no longer do this, people around him saying, it's, you're, you're deaf, you can't do this. To not only then get back into it and have it be a part of your life, to start writing again, to then get to the point where the music he was writing in the last part of his life was the most famous work he'd ever done. Now, if you haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about Beethoven. And I think Beethoven, you can say his name just about anywhere, and people know the name. They know some sort of classical music. But when you hear his story, it's pretty impressive. So I'm a huge fan of Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. He was amazing from childhood until his, what I consider too early of a death. But his work was so profound that people who were paving the way in music before him were in awe. He was cited by many as having been touched by the hand of God, that there's no other way anybody could do what he does. Now, Mozart passed away when Beethoven was in his early 20s, and most people in the community of classical music truly believed and even stated several times that Beethoven is the artistic heir to Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart. Now, if you're not a a fan of classical music, that's okay. What this is basically saying is one of the most important, powerful people of his time for several decades was held up as the best composer and musician of his time, the best at whatever you can think of in comparison. When he passed away, this 20-year-old who was becoming famous as well, 
was basically looked at as the next version of this. Therefore, one can only imagine what Beethoven's perspective was on this. To have come from a, a musical family, to have a, a father who was well-known in the city that he was in as a musician and composer, to then stand on the shoulders, to study with some of the most impressive composers of his time, to then come out in his early 20s as being the next best thing to composition and music that the world has ever seen. To then roll into that decade of his 20s to start having problems with his hearing, to then lose it altogether by his 30s and not have the ability to hear. You know, he did figure out ways, like I mentioned, to pick up vibrations of the music that he was composing, at least, using the notes from memory in his head. But it's true, there was a lot of communication between those who were living with him and knew him with others then about how they believed he was going mad, that he literally was going crazy because he had lost his hearing, that perhaps the hearing loss was because of his mental illness. In hindsight, we can look at this going, obviously, he was just working through a lot of emotions, <laughs> having lost his entire career by the time he turned 30. And that statement alone right there, I mean, if, if, his, if his career would have ended there at 30, I don't think anybody would have been like, oh, he just gave up. I think it wouldn't have been, he just gave up. It would have been an, a total understanding that he'd lost his hearing. So, of course, he's quit. Somewhere in Beethoven, in the next few years, he had a mindset shift. He didn't transition with no problem that I'm a musician, I'm going to keep writing music. He fell down. He had a really rough couple of years. And then he started composing again. He used a piece of wood that it was similar to a pencil. He, I think actually the story is he started with a pencil in his mouth and would touch it to the soundboard of the piano to pick up vibrations. And he eventually had someone fashion something he could hold in his mouth easier than a pencil that was a wooden stick that allowed him to pick up those vibrations while composing on the piano. So here he is completely deaf. Easily, he could have given up. No one would have said anything, but he keeps writing. In fact, he writes what is considered to be his best work at this time, entirely deaf. He writes two different pieces. One of them, the Ninth Symphony that I know you've heard, you wouldn't even know it's Beethoven, but you've heard it before. If you know classical music, you know what I'm talking about. He then insisted that he had to conduct these pieces when it premiered in Vienna. And uh, the story goes, anyhow, that there was a second conductor behind him helping conduct because obviously he couldn't hear everything that was going on in the music. But when the pieces finished, when the, when the show was over, they turned him around so he could see the audience reaction because, of course, he couldn't hear the fact that they were just roaring with applause. And because the audience knew he was deaf, they chose to start throwing articles of clothing, hats and scarves and things up into the air and shaking their hands so, so he could see how excited they were, basically the enthusiasm for this piece. So yes, his deafness prevented him from playing instruments like he used to. He couldn't do concerts like he used to. He, he kind of fell off the musical map for a little bit, and then he came back as this amazing composer, writing some unbelievable work, completely deaf. And I don't know. I don't know what his mindset was. I don't know what happened to him that triggered him to start going back to what he knew and understanding that he could do this. This is no easy task. This is a story that is incredible. But really think about this. Think about what it is you do, you're most passionate about, you love doing, whether it is your career or being a parent or being someone's partner or a hobby you have that you truly enjoy that is a deep passion. And imagine that passion being your livelihood, being 
so much of who you are that undoubtedly in his time, this was his identity. And keep in mind, he, he was born in 1770. So to be that famous at that time when there's obviously no internet, that's impressive. This is word of mouth. This is people talking. This is the written word being passed around about this incredible musician and composer. To have that all suddenly taken away, what would that do to you? What would that do to just about anybody? This fits into the episode about mindset, though, because I can only imagine, I don't know for sure, but I'm using the story as an example how somewhere in his path through all of this, his mindset shifted from I can no longer play, I can't hear music, I can't play music, I'm sure somewhere in there was I can't compose music, to I have, I have it in me, I can do this. Now, maybe in his mind, he didn't feel he had a choice. Maybe he had to get that music out because it was in his head. But the point is, what is mindset? How does this happen? What is the conscious choice we make? Now, when you look up mindset, there's a lot of different ways that it is defined. Uh, There's a lot of different versions of mindset. There's some people say, oh, there's only three kinds of mindset. It's abundance. It's positive. It's growth mindset. Others will say, well, it's either growth mindset or fixed mindset. Those are the only two that it is. In a nutshell, mindset is usually described as the established set of attitudes held by someone. So, you know, it's it's what you think about the world around you. It's what you think about yourself. And in personal development and personal growth as a coach, the mindset I tend to really focus on is that perspective you have on yourself. Because often as we are growing up similar to Beethoven, you're surrounded by people who are telling you what you are. And for better or worse, you know, it might be supportive people pointing out, this is your strength. This is who you are. You're amazing. And unfortunately, for many of us, sometimes as we're growing up, there are people that may have good intentions or maybe not, but they say things that aren't supportive or not helpful, that create a mindset that we can't do certain things or we aren't what we want to be. I personally, as a dyslexic, growing up undiagnosed with dyslexia, I was told that I was smart, but clearly I don't apply myself. I know the materials that are talked about in class, but when it comes to a written test or reading assignments, I'm not doing it. So I just need to try harder. You aren't applying yourself. Why don't you do that? So I grew up thinking, well, I'm not able to apply myself when it comes to doing homework. Uh, When it comes to tests, I, I just don't try. And that was a mindset that was kind of drilled into me in my school years. And I started to realize in high school, I was like, no, I'm really, I'm trying. I'm, I'm like, no, this is, this is really hard. But I still had that mindset that I had to get over of what other people were telling me that I was lazy when it came to school, that I wasn't trying. So in Beethoven's case or, or anybody's case, whether it's good information or bad information, the mindset starts to become what we think about ourselves. And also, again, there are mindsets about the worldview as well, but we're talking more about self at this time. Mindset behavior. So think of it this way. As you go from moment to moment in your day, your brain is perceiving the world around it and certain things trigger certain thoughts. And I know in our current culture, triggering is considered sometimes a bad thing, but in psychology and behavior, we refer to triggered thoughts as there's a stimulus. We see something, we hear something, we smell something, it triggers a thought. You smell cookies baking and you really like these cookies. That triggers a thought of, ooh, I want a cookie, <laughs> right? Or uh, you're driving home from work, and as you you drive the same route, you always start thinking about what you're going to be making for dinner. And so there's a certain area in your neighborhood as you're getting home that always triggers that thought of, oh, what's for dinner tonight? And these can be thoughts, these can be beliefs or feelings, or even certain attitudes. Uh, the, so the mindset really influences 
how you engage then with the world around you. So those are those stimuluses that trigger you, and then it really is sort of your thought process that influences how you're going to respond. So you could say that your behavior is directly influenced by the mindset that you have or that you've adopted for each moment. Now, this is where we talk about the definition of growth or fixed mindset. Fixed mindset being that you know, I can't change. my Whatever it is that's influencing my mindset or my behavior that I've adopted, it is fixed. So no matter what, uh, uh, oh, here's a good example. When I was younger, I was stung by a bee. I've actually been stung a couple times. And I will say to no fault of the bee, but it, of course, makes you then respond with, I don't really want to be around bees. This is a bad situation. It hurts. And God forbid if you're allergic, right? But the point being is that I associated bees with the sting, with the pain, and I didn't like them. I wanted to avoid them. As I got older, though, I started to understand bee behavior better because behavior is fascinating to me and recognize that, hey, the bee dies when they sting you. So not really the best choice on their part. It's sort of a last ditch effort. They think they're in danger. They have to protect themselves or their hive. Otherwise, they're going to leave you alone because they got too much other stuff to, to do that's more important than a suicidal mission on a giant, which is really what it is. As I learned more, I grew. I had a growth mindset into understanding that bees aren't nearly as dangerous as I thought they were when I was a kid. Whereas I could hold on to the fact that I was stung a couple times. They're very bad. They're very dangerous. I don't want them around. I hate them. That would be more of a fixed mindset, unable to grow beyond what my experience was versus learning more and being able to change then and grow. So when we talk about mindset and what is your mindset, you know, how about growth mindset and abundance mindset? We're really talking about the things that you think about and feel in response to things in your environment and the world around you. So an example would be that people use quite a bit. You get your credit card statement in the, in the mail or nowadays email. You may not even want to look at it because you know there's a lot of debt there and you're hating that and you have this sort of sense of, oh, I have no money. I owe money. I'm working my butt off and I still can't get ahead. I just don't have any money for anything. I can barely pay my bills. So that would be a mindset that's not considered an abundance mindset. And a lot of coaches and a lot of therapists say, look, you've got to switch that around. Because if you keep thinking that, that no matter what happens in your life, you keep believing that and your response is that you have no money, then you will never have money. Now, that doesn't mean you simply just start thinking about having more money and it automatically shows up or your bills go away. Not that kind of stuff. The thought process is, of course, what is it you can do then in your life to go, ah, I just saved some money, which means I earned money. I have money available. What sort of behaviors and habits can you start shifting? What sort of growth can you experience that will shift your mindset away from I have no money to I am building wealth and start shifting those things around? That's just one example. We could talk about it with your health. We could talk about it with your fitness. I'm, I'm lazy. Uh, no matter what I do, I just never can get into shape. I, I, just, I just love food too much. Those are all fixed mindsets where you could start shifting that it, I am one of those people that when I'm just sitting on the couch flipping channels, I decide I'm going to get down on the floor and do some push-ups. And I'm looking out for my best interest in health. And when I reach for those cookies, I'm actually going to not buy cookies anymore so they're not in the house. I'm going to buy fruit instead. And you can start growing and changing. And, and how you think about yourself is so very important. What it boils down to, and I can share this as a coach, as someone who's worked with so many clients over the years now, that we can easily fall into habits that create a certain lifestyle that reinforce then what we believe about ourselves. 
whether these were things people told us or experiences we had in our past. So in Beethoven's case, he's gone deaf. He can no longer do anything with music. That would be the case where he becomes stuck in this new reality for better or for worse. You know, it's just an example. Whereas when clients come to me saying, look, this is, this is where I find myself in this type of life. And I don't want to, I don't feel that this is my life. It doesn't feel right. You can imagine if Beethoven had a coach, right? <laughs> He'd be like, hey, I've gone deaf, but uh, music's my life. And, you know, I just don't feel right not being involved with music anymore. Now, whether maybe he did, maybe he had a mentor that talked to him. Maybe there's a family member we don't know about or a friend that worked with him to make him realize he could do stuff, or maybe he did this on his own. But either way, he managed to shift his mindset. And here's where all the diamonds are. Here's the gold for this episode. Sharing Beethoven's story, talking about this, the the goal here is for you to recognize that within you, no matter what has happened, you have the ability to develop your talents, your integrity, your intelligence, your abilities, you can develop these things further. Just because you find yourself where you are right now, if I took a snapshot of Beethoven's story right at that point where he was considered mad, going mad, going crazy out of his frustration, and that was it, and he just and I just held on to that as being his story for the rest of his life, there's so much more that's lost. Don't hold on to that part of your story as being the final part of your story that this now defines you. If you find yourself in a place in life where things feel out of balance, they don't feel right, you have the ability to grow and develop further. You have the ability to move past that. There's a great saying that's been on social media as a meme, and it's been passed around a different, several different versions, but essentially it says, where you are is just where you are. It's not who you are. If you have found yourself in a position in life where it seems like the wheels have fallen off your wagon and you you have do not have the tools to put them back on, it doesn't mean you can no longer move forward in life. Maybe it means you find out how to repair that wagon, get those wheels back on. Maybe it means you find a friend or a cohort or somebody to, to work on that wagon with you. Or maybe it's time to just ditch the wagon altogether and walk. But the reality is you can still keep going. Now, you could think, well, wheels fell off my wagon. I guess I just sit here the rest of my life. The idea is, again, where you are is just where you are. It's not who you are. You can make the choice. You can look around you and go, this is not how my life is supposed to be. It feels very out of balance. It's all wonky. This isn't right. You can start making changes. Now, sometimes it's like Beethoven. You start to work your way out on your own. Other times people blow up their entire life, try to start all over. I don't recommend that. There's usually casualties with that. There's other people in your life to consider. But it doesn't mean you can't make slow small changes to start becoming more true to yourself and recognizing the life you want, the life you need, and moving forward from that point. Now, does that mean perhaps that other people might get their feelings hurt on things? Sure, but there's a nicer way to do it than just blowing everything up and walking away. But that's for another episode. We're talking about mindset here, and I really hope that sharing the story of Beethoven kind of gives you some perspective, an opportunity to to see how life could have gone for him versus how it went, but he shifted his mindset. Now, like I said, also, it's not necessarily easy. I don't know if he had somebody in his life to help him through this. Maybe someone we don't know about in the history books of what was written, or maybe he did it on his own. And some people can do this on their own. As a coach, though, of course, I see plenty of people who reach out for help and need coaching and guidance. And honestly, there's no shame in that. Therapy is awesome. 
Coaching is awesome. Whatever support and help you need, asking for help is a strength. Staying stuck where you are because you're too stubborn to reach out for help is a weakness. Don't do that to yourself. Your life is worth so much more. There is so much more available for you out there than just staying stuck when you don't feel you're really living your true life. I guess you could say, don't be the Beethoven that quietly went into the shadows and never came back out. Thankfully, we didn't have that Beethoven. Be the Beethoven we had. Be the Beethoven that follows through with what he knew his life was supposed to be. Be the Beethoven that we know that we had in our lives, the the Beethoven that knew there was more to his life than just going deaf and stop being a part of music. The Beethoven that kept pushing through that then undeniably made some of the most amazing work of his life that is still regarded today as some of the best work of his time. Now, does this mean you have to be as famous and big as Beethoven to go through this process? Absolutely not. But it does mean that I wish for you and I hope for you that this information gets to a point in your life where you can utilize it if needed, or you can share this information with someone in your life that you recognize, yes, their mindset just needs a little bit of a shift. Go from that fixed mindset to that growth mindset. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as Beethoven's life. It can be as simple as just changing jobs or recognizing you're in a toxic relationship or building better friendships, any of those things. And of course, if you want to discuss mindset, your personal mindset with me further, you're always welcome to reach out to me. Either way, I truly hope you found value in this episode and that maybe something that I've discussed here or brought up in the story of Beethoven will serve you well or maybe give you the opportunity to serve others in some capacity. Either way, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode. And as always, you can check the episode description for links to get in touch with me. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, yes, even TikTok for inspirational and thoughtful content. Or check out my website, CoachRickSchwartz.com. There you can sign up for a free 30-minute discovery call where we connect via Zoom to discuss what's going on in your life, maybe your mindset, and if my coaching program might be a good fit for you. Thanks again for listening. I really appreciate it. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you.